0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. If you have your Bible or your whatever device you're using to read the Bible, we're going to uh, be looking at Luke 17 uh, today. So you want to go ahead and, and, and uh, pull that up, or we'll be reading um, on screen here together here in just a second. Um, this Wednesday, Betsy and I uh, get in the car and head up to Pittsburgh, and. Um, <laughs> she's a little excited about that. Um, we're going to be spending Thanksgiving, our first Thanksgiving, with our new granddaughter. <clears throat> uh, and, now our son and his wife will happen to be there too, but that's secondary <laughs> for the, <clears throat> our excitement here. But, so I come back Saturday, and then uh, so, uh, Betsy's actually going be staying a few more days uh, for Nana duty. Uh, Should be helping out there. Now, I don't know about you and your family, but one of the our Thanksgiving traditions for our family is that we go around the table and share something we're thankful for. Um, What's What's interesting to me is how those items that are those things for which we're thankful has evolved in our kids over the years. You know, when they're little, it's you know they're for things. You know, thank God for my bike. Um, or I'm really thankful for my dog. Um, or, you know, I'm um, thankful that I have a, a, a bed. You know, things that are they're tangible, things like that. Um, or there are things like, um, you know, they're having trouble with one of the kids at school. It's, you know, I'm thankful that Johnny's dad got transferred to Iowa. You know, there are things that relate to them and their experiences. As they got older, though, as it became in their later teen years, and certainly now as young adults, um, their, their thankfulness is more about the quality of life, um, which I appreciate. You know, they're thankful for health, thankful for our family, our being together. Um, I remember even a couple of occasions where they said they're thankful for their parents. Um, so that was really cool um, to actually hear them uh, verbalize that out loud in front of other people. Um, <clears throat> I have no doubt if we went around the room here this morning that we would be able, each one of us would be able to share significant things in our life for which we're thankful. Um, some of us have someone we could spend the rest of our life with that happened here recently. Um, some of us found new jobs this year that pay more and they're closer to home. Um, they don't have to drive as far. Some of us have survived major surgeries, major illnesses, um, and um, I'm sure many, if not all of us, are thankful for friends who add quality to our life. Each of us has things in our life for which we can be thankful. Now, thankfulness, if you haven't gathered already, is kind of the theme for the day. Um, It's also the the focus of the passage that we're going to look at this morning, where for the last few weeks, we've been looking at encounters with Jesus— Um, people who are going through life, some of them just minding their own business, and they come and have an experience and encounter with Jesus, and their life has changed forever. And today, thankfulness is what we're going to look at. So Luke chapter 17, we'll start with verse 11. You can follow along with me as I read. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one had returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and I'm thankful for this passage. A great example of gratitude when we encounter you. Uh, So, Lord, I I suspect there's a number of things that each of us can pull out of this passage here today. Help me to communicate that well. And, uh, Lord, again, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us as you desire um, this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, A couple of things I want to point out in this passage. uh, Starts off, very first verse, verse 11, it says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, if I could have our our map up here, now, a couple things here. If you remember, we started this series. We're talking. Uh, we actually were in Math, or I'm sorry, Luke 19. We're talking about um, Zacchaeus. He was down here in Jericho. So we're not taking this series in sequence. Uh, last week we were up in Nain, where Jesus met the widow whose son had died, and he raised him from the dead. Um, and so we're actually like, you know, the, the sequence in Scripture we're not necessarily following. What we see here today, however is that Jesus is on um, the path, or on, now he's in, he's in between those two events. Let me just say it that way. So he, the, the, the woman was raised. He hasn't gotten yet to Jericho. He had not had the Zacchaeus experience at this point in, in, the, in the story of Jesus. But it says that in the scriptures that he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. So he was up at Nain, and he was heading to Jerusalem. We know that. Luke is very clear that Jesus was heading to Jerusalem, why didn't he just take a straight shot? It's a very circuitous route, isn't it? It's around. There's a couple reasons for that. What's that? Mountains. Mountains. It's very, it's, it's, it's not an easy trip. Now, if you go straight down, that's one. Another reason. Water. Wa- ah, good. Remember, this is, this is desert area. That region is very, very des- desolate, um, desert. And so they're following the Jordan River. So you have access to water. There's another reason. Samaria. 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 Some of you remember the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along. Um, And the Jews historically would either go around the the coast and kind of skirt that if they could, or they literally would cross the Jordan, go go into what is present-day Jordan, down Perea, and then cut back across the Jordan River when they want to get to Jerusalem, that was very common those days. There's another thing that's happened here with Samaritans specifically to Jesus at this point in time, because we know this from the story of the woman at the well. Jesus was not afraid to go through Samaria, because it was a Samaritan Roman. So that was not his issue per se. However, just prior to this, in Luke chapter nine. There's an encounter that Jesus has, and he says that in, in verse 52, he says, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. So with the village he was, he was probably heading, maybe going straight through, but because of the resistance from that village, um, it may have been their zoning area, he said, you know what, this isn't the time to get into one of these political type of things, and so he took a, he, he, uh, uh, took a different route that way. Um, but we do know that he's somewhere along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and somewhere along the way, we don't know where, he encounters ten men. But we know these aren't ten ordinary men, are they? These are ten men with leprosy. Now, how many of you know that leprosy still exists today? It still exists. Um, it's a disease that's caused by bacteria, Um, It is curable. Um, What I read just a little bit, I'm certainly not uh, an expert in this by any means, but it's a little bit I read off the internet, so I know it's true, Um, (laughs) is that it is curable, but the combination of uh, antibiotics, it's not just one, they actually have to combine them because of the way the bacteria reacts. They actually have to have multiple ways of approaching it, of dealing with it, and counteracting it. And the treatment can last one to two years. So it's a very, very stubborn, very resistant form of bacteria. Oddly, scientists still today aren't certain how one gets leprosy. Um, part of the problem is that we know it can be transferred from one person to another, but because the bacteria grows so slowly, and because the symptoms develop so slowly, by the time you actually have symptoms and are diagnosed, they don't know where or when you actually got it. They don't, there's, there's real Unless you actually came in direct contact with someone with leprosy, and that possibly could have been it, but otherwise they're really not sure how it's transferred. It's very rare today, and it's seen only in the poorest of developing countries. That wasn't the case in first century Israel. At that point in time, these ten men had the worst disease of the day. It was the HIV, AIDS, AIDS. It was uh, the worst case of COVID. Whatever your worst disease is, whatever your worst illness is, leprosy was that it for the day. Leprosy is a disease that affects primarily the skin and the nervous system. <clears throat> Their main symptoms, it causes disfiguring skin sores. Um, there's lumps and bumps that don't go away. Um, it, uh, it, it also... Um, um, there are sores in the outside of the body, but there 's also lumps and lesions that occur on the inside of the body. The liver and the kidneys are attacked, a general waste sets in or some used to think that you know your appendages, fingers, and things would would fall off that 's actually not really happens. what I understand the body reabsorbs them so it 's just a really, really, really vicious disease. Um, and it's um, and by, you can imagine it, the people who, who encounter it were scared spitless because no one wanted to get leprosy. It wasn't just oh I've got this rash in my arm. I mean it was it was a, it was a death sentence. Um, it, one article I read described it this way: the disease is not merely on the outside; it is organic. Awful smells are given out, and sleep is next to impossible. So it's just it's just a terrible 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 disease, as bad as it is physically, leprosy didn't impact just that. Leprosy, due to leprosy, the ten lepers were also social outcasts. So in addition to the physical um, impact of it, they had other social ramifications. Notice that in the passage you've read, it says that they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice. Now the reason they did that is a tradition that had gone on in Israel among Israelites for over 800 years. This is how that was is how it was dealt with. It actually comes from the Old Testament law. Moses, when given the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law for how the Israelites should live, um, this was one of the things. If someone has leprosy, this is how they're to respond in Le- Leviticus chapter 13. As for the person who has a leprous infection, his clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. He shall live outside the camp. Typically, if I understood the distance right that to give, they had to keep about 120 feet away from anyone else. They're separated from their family, they're separated from their friends, their loved ones. They couldn't work, couldn't attend uh, worship services with everyone else. And and on top of that, there was also this common misperception in those days that lepers were somehow being punished by God for sin. So not only were they social outcasts, there was a perception by some, by many, that you deserved what you got. So they weren't treated, there was not this sense we need to help them you know, and lessen their suffering. It's no, this is justice, and we need to let it run its course. Lived, lepers lived alone, or they lived with other lepers, which is what we see here. We see ten of them together, um, and so that was not uncommon. We talk about cancel culture today. Nothing comes close to social ostracism of the first century leper. <clears> the <throat> fact is, the ten lepers were in a hopeless situation with no future. Recovery did not have, I'm sorry, recovery did happen on occasion. There's other times in scripture where it talks about leprosy. We're not really sure if that was actual leprosy or another skin disease that they did recover and heal from. The the scientific diagnosis, the medical diagnosis isn't as exact then as it is today. Um, But the Bible does give us indication that people on occasion um, were healed. But for the most part, lepers were waiting for death. And until then, they begged, they scavenged for food, they lived a hopeless life. Here's what makes leprosy particularly hard, in my thinking. You're not born with it. So life is normal, and then it's not. Now, someone born with a debilitating condition has never experienced life without it. That's all they know. That's all they've experienced is life with that condition. These 10 men suffered significant loss. We don't know their ages, we don't know if they're married, we don't know if they had children, we know nothing about them except for the fact that we can safely assume they suffered with a feeling of great loss. What life used to be like before they got leprosy. This was their life, this was their status, this is what they had to hope for, and then they encountered Jesus. Now here's the thing, again, we don't know. Luke doesn't tell us. You know, Jesus was on his way. He was just walking, and typically we know that there's crowds, although there's not mention there's not mentioned here in this passage. We don't know if the ten lepers were actually out looking for Jesus, hoping that to have an encounter with him, or they just happened to be sitting by the road waiting and begging from anybody who passed by. And hey, isn't that Jesus? I think it is. Hey Jesus. <clears throat> Have master, have pity on us. And then, in that moment, unlike everyone else in society, Jesus took time for the very people others ignored. I love this quote. It says the radical, compassionate Jesus trumped tradition in favor of care of the outsider, of touching the untouchable. This is what makes Jesus worth following, and this is what makes our following worthwhile. We see that Jesus was compassionate and responded to the point of need. <clears throat> Here's what we know. In that moment of healing, not just their physical bodies were healed, but their relationships were also restored. Financial stability was, would also return to their life. Even the emotions, the emotional state of these ten men changed. We have another instance where Jesus healed the leper. If you remember that story, we find it in Luke chapter 5. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. The miracle of the story wasn't just the physical healing. It was the affirmation that came by the touch. When everyone else said, you know, unclean, get away, Jesus actually reached out and touched the man. When you've spent years of your life telling people you're unclean, not having felt physical touch from anyone for years, seeing fear in the eyes of people whenever you come close. Listening to people yell at you and tell you to go away. Having to beg and steal just to stay alive. Can you imagine the emotional toll this would have on a person? And yet it was to these kind people that Jesus, he gave his time. These are the people Jesus touched. And these are the people that Jesus healed. That's what Jesus does because that's who Jesus is. We also see that Jesus gave the lepers the opportunity to partner faith and action. You know what I find interesting is the extent of their encounter. Verse 14 says, when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. That's it. Twelve words from Luke. No extended conversation, no repentance needed. It It was just it. When they saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. <laughs> and we almost kind of gathered. He just kind of, all right, on, job here's done. He kept on walking. He's heading down towards Jericho. We know that's where he's going. That was kind of the end of the incident. He didn't even really acknowledge the request. The request. You know, Jesus, have mercy on us. He didn't really directly respond to that. Just go. The other thing I find interesting in this passage is why didn't he just say "Be healed," like he did with the other leper in Luke five? Why, why, why didn't he just say "Be healed" right now? His response was, "Go show yourselves to the priest." Now, going to the priest, we know that from the Mosaic law, the priest was the one who gave you your stamp of approval. You know, so it's, and, and then, <clears throat> I was going to make. Well, I'll go ahead since I started. It's kind of the equivalent of having your vaccination card today. Okay, you got your stamp, or you got your approval. You're good to go. And so th- that's what was happening here. It was the me- you didn't go to a doctor. You went to the priest, who said, "This is you've been healed. You've verified you're clean. You're now can you be clean again, and now can interact with the people." The priest was the one who restored them. That, but wonder why? Why didn't he just say, "You know, you're healed." He made them go to the priest. No questioning, no discussion. They knew who Jesus was, and they knew he had the part to heal. So they just went. And as they went, it says, and as they went, they were healed. They were cleansed. <clears throat> now, we don't know how far did they go. Was this 10 minutes into the hike? Was this five steps down? At what point did this happen? But before they got to the priest is when they were healed. Jesus turned a hopeless situation for 10 men into a new lease on life. Imagine leaving the priest, having received clearance to return to society. Can you imagine this? If they're single, <clears throat> probably going home to their parents, or if they're married, maybe going back to what used to be their own home where their wife and family is and thinking, oh, I can't wait to hug my wife. Or if they had kids, I can't wait to hold my kids. I'm never letting them go. I can imagine, though, knocking on the door, having the door open, and seeing the fear and confusion in the eyes of the person, their loved one, in that moment saying, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Jesus healed me. The horror of leprosy was in the past. They got to return to life that they longed for. Now, we know for a fact that one of the former lepers didn't go straight home. In fact, as they went, they were cleansed. So before he even gets to the priest, he makes a U-turn, heads back to find Jesus. And when he found him, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now, Jesus was surprised on two different counts. One first surprise was that only one of the ten men turned, excuse me, turned around and came back to thank him. That was a little um, confusing there. But The second thing that surprised Jesus was that the one who did, the one of the ten, was a Samaritan. If you would have thought anyone who maybe wouldn't do that would be, uh, wouldn't be him. But here's the thing, he'd already been healed. He'd already been healed. So he'd already gotten what he had hoped for and what he wanted. But because he did come back and gave thanks, he received an extra blessing from Jesus. Something happens when we return to Jesus with our hearts full of gratitude and thankfulness. So for me, the lesson in this passage is very simple. We want to be like the one who returned to thank Jesus. We want to be thankful for the work that God does in our lives. So what might that look like? I think one of the things that we can do is choose daily to acknowledge God's goodness rather than taking it for granted. Being grateful and thankful is a choice. It's a choice. Now, if you don't believe me, spend any time with a two-year-old. Okay, Gratefulness is learned. It's a choice. Psalm 9 tells us, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will. It's a decision of, it's a function of the will of our intent. So choose, choose daily to, be, to acknowledge God's goodness. Second thing you can do is choose to be thankful even in difficult circumstances. You know, early at the very beginning, at the top of of my time, my talk, I mentioned the fact that all of us have things for which we can be thankful. And we do. But the fact is, there's others of us who are still waiting for God to work. See, we need to remember that those ten lepers woke up that morning thinking life was going to be the same as it had always been. Still going to be the struggle. Still going to be painful. Still going to be all the things that they'd been used to. They had no reason to think that this day was going to be any different. But it was. It was different. And so for us, it's that we need to be thankful and be ready. The reality is, today might be your day. Today might be the day that Jesus says, you're healed. Or here's the answer to what you've been praying for. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Lastly, choose to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Who is Jesus talking to in verse 17? When he's talking about, you know, not everyone came back, and only the Samaritan, who's he talking to? I think he's talking to his disciples, his followers, those closest to him. So for me, the question is why? Why why the commentary about this? Why did only one come back and why the Samaritan? And I think for me, I just think Jesus recognized the value in being um, thankful and having a heart of gratitude, the benefit it is to us. I mean, it's not because he wanted all right, He wanted the praise, he wanted the adoration, he wanted the thankfulness. It wasn't for his benefit that he wants us to be grateful. It's for our benefit. Jesus recognized that this behavior, this posture, this attitude is for our benefit in, in, in all of life. Ephesians 5 tells us, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a choice, it's one we need to make daily, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, but it becomes a part of who we are as individuals. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, your word in this passage, this story, is such a great, uh, uh, and yet it's a great example of of the value of being thankful. Um, Lord, it's such a simple story as well. So, Lord, help us to take it to heart. Uh, we don't need to overcomplicate it. Father, my prayer would be, especially for those here this morning who might still be struggling, who might not yet have received that the answer to that one thing that just seems to maybe consume their life, whether it's health, whether it's a, a broken relationship, uh, Father, whether it's provision um, in our own life. But, God, whatever that is, Father, I pray that today's the day. Today's the day that they encounter you in a way that they never would have expected. Father, but you respond in a way that goes beyond, Lord, what they could ever dream. Lord, I can ask this because I know your heart for your people. It's of love and of blessing. And Lord, I know that your desire is for us. It's not against us. So Lord, help us to be hopeful. Help us to be um, expectant. But also, Lord, help us to be thankful for the things that you have given us, for the things that are in our life that are positive. Lord, that we would be hearts, or we would be people with hearts that are full of gratitude. So, Lord, we uh, continue to continue to uh, trust you in all things, and it's in the name of your Son Jesus. I pray, Amen. We're gonna. Close, or, or with, and Julia's uh, song is going to sing. The song is called "Gratitude." Um, it's a beautiful song. Um, just as Julia sings, listen to the words. Um, it so creatively communicates our heart's desire to express gratitude to God. And this is where the card comes in. As she's singing, um, you know, as you're reflecting, and as you're in a just kind of a, a prayerful attitude, um, just pray, God. What is? What's one thing? For which I can be thankful today. You may have a list. You may not be able to fill in the card, but one thing: write it on the card, um, just as your way of acknowledging tangibly of your thankfulness. If you're willing, or if you um, um, would like to, bring the card up and drop it in the basket um, as just a, a tangible expression of your gratitude.
1: Bring it up to the altar
0: and say, "God, thank you so much." So again, as Julia sings, think, reflect, and pray. Fill out your card. And uh, let's be people who who have hearts of gratitude. Gratitude is such an important quality to have as we uh, navigate through life, isn't it? Now let's my encouragement to us is let's reflect on the joy and love of Jesus this week as we gather with friends and loved ones, but not just this week. May this be a carryover the rest of the year and even into next year. May people of gratitude be one of our distinguishing characteristics. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, as you leave here today, a couple of things just want to remind you one is again that women, if you haven't yet. Uh, Center for the Women's Connection, the Christmas thing that I talked to Betsy. Um, if you're interested, uh, Grace mentioned, or Grace, Kate mentioned Grace Track. Um, it's not just the membership. If you're relatively new to Grace Covenant and just kind of wanting a little bit more of how you fit in things, how does it work, it's a great opportunity just to kind of learn that way. It is, if you want to become a member, a, a formal member, that is a way to do that. But it's not just limited uh, to that. Uh, and again, I want to say, if you're interested in baptism, um, come see me. Um, so we'll talk um, about um, your son. But we're very interested in Wanted to make sure that uh, we give opportunity for that. It's really, that's a really big deal. Communion, baptism are the two sacraments that we believe that uh, Jesus gave the, the church. One other thing I need to um, let you know about today. Uh, this week, uh, Pastor Farrell from our main campus um, uh, made public uh, 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 what he's referring to as a transition plan. Um, and so this has been in the works actually for a couple of years. Um, and so where we're at right now in this process is that he's announced that this is happening, so it's become public. Um, there's another year of just kind of working through just some of what that, who that person will be, what that looks like. Um, and then there's also talk about an extended time. The, the short answer is nothing's changing for at least, my, my guess is at least 18 months um, is kind of where we're at. So everything will be the same. Um, as we operate and function, but that is a transition that he has been praying about and working through with Charlotte and the church leadership for a couple of years now. Um, so it may seem kind of sh- um, sudden for us, but again, this predates COVID. This predates everything. This is not, this is him making a conscious choice um, based upon what he's sensing God. This isn't a reaction to any events or anything like that. I do know as well that they're planning, he's announcing this on the Cornelius campus. I know they're, they're, the plan is to actually put together a short little video that will be on the website. Um, so I encourage you to be looking for that you know, towards the middle of the week, uh, just, to see, just to hear from me more about this. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. Um, this is really an upfront um, type of thing. We look at this as a very healthy transition. Um, we know that all of us transition at one point in time. None of us are in the position we're at forever. Um, And so within any organization, these things happen. So we look at this as a positive one for Pastor Farrell. But there's implications for that, aren't there, for all of us. Um, So we we just want to be open and upfront about that. All right, let's uh, stand for the benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. If you're traveling, be safe. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.